0: I'm Siri Lindley, two-time world champion, author, speaker, animal activist, survivor, and thriver. I have found a way to overcome every challenge and to take the impossible and make it possible. On my podcast, we're going to talk real life. We're going to get vulnerable. We're going to go first. You're not alone in your fears, your doubts, or your worries. The most successful people in the world have them. Stick with me on this journey. I will help you harness your power, claim your magic, and create the life that you dream of. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bedhead Chronicles. Today's episode is incredibly special for me. I have been excited to have this extraordinary soul on the show, and today I get to share the gift of her with all of you. And... Christine Der Cole is a Peloton instructor, a public speaker, a world and national champion track cyclist, and someone that you may not even know this, but someone that truly has played an enormous part in me not only being alive today, but thriving as I am, which you all know is a miracle. So Christine, before I inter- before I actually bring you on, I'll just tell you that after I had my bone marrow transplant and I was given maybe a 5% chance of surviving acute myeloid leukemia. And I've always been an athlete, healthy, strong, eat healthy, haven't really done anything bad with my body, but I got really, really sick. And I'll never forget that the day of my diagnosis when everyone around me is you know my wife is wailing and crying and the the sound of my doctor's voice every everybody around me was saying this is the end but i made the decision on that day that this is not my time to go like i finally have found freedom personal freedom the love of my life this is not my time to go i'm going to survive and i'm going to thrive and what happened is that as I came out of the hospital and, which I was in there for quite a while, I had my bone marrow transplant, I came out and the first thing I wanted to do was get on my Peloton. So, and those of you that don't know Peloton, I mean, you're crazy if you don't, but let me tell you, you've got to start. It's life-changing, it's incredible. But i started riding my peloton that was hard for me at first because i've always been a champion athlete and here i'm just i'm just trying to turn the pedals you know my cadence is like 20 and i'm pushing like 10 watts and i found you and i started taking your classes because i felt so supported by you i felt your hand on my back every single second of every single class that i took and I remember once I reached out to you because all I I had only been doing your classes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I reached out to you and I thought she's never gonna write back, but I just want her to know how much she's meant to me. Because every day I was getting stronger, every day I was getting healthier. And you wrote me right back with some <laughs> loving and kind and supportive message. Right away, you sent my wife and I two t-shirts with your mm-hmm. mantra on it, which we're gonna discuss.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But Christine, I I don't say this lightly. I found you you were this just gift at that time, and you gave me a place where I felt so safe, so supported, and comfortable to show up every day, regardless of the shape I was in. And today, I'm still taking those classes, but this time I'm going for the top of the leaderboard, girl. Oh my god! So, I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not near the. But- <laughs> But at least that's that's my different thing. So Christine Cole, thank you so much. Welcome to the Bedhead Chronicles.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for reaching out to begin with. Thank you for hearing me. And i i, I my eyes are wet <laughs> so are mine. <laughs> um, your story is is so powerful. And so inspiring and reminds us all of you know, you've gone through the thing we are all afraid might happen in one way or another that we're presented with our mortality. And we have a reckoning where we can't control the outcome but we can manage how we handle the challenge that's and that's the crux and i know that that's what you've heard that is the crux of my work in how i teach my classes at peloton and what my workshops and the mantra i am i can i will i do is all about
0: and that's what i want to talk about because yep. you are empowering people all around the world you're connecting them to the magic, to the power that's within them. How did you get here? How did you become this, Christine? I mean, obviously, your wisdom and your knowledge comes from experience. But if you wouldn't mind sharing, you know, what has made you who you are today?
1: Well, you know, the most succinct way to to explain this journey that I'm still in um is that I really wanted to be a ballerina when I was growing up and I was told your legs are too big to be in the front row in a little tutu that showed your legs because you're so much bigger than the other girls and so you know I had a I had a decent amount of confidence as a dancer. It was good. But my body was my enemy. Hmm. And so I came to really dislike and have a lot of shame, especially around my thighs, my legs. I went through years of self-harm, eating disorders as a teenager. And turned to acting, thinking there are roles for everyone at every age, every size. Maybe this is how I can continue to be on stage. And let me back up a second because my desire to be on stage was inspired by how moved I was at five years old the first time I went to see a ballet. I was so taken with the the body expression and storytelling through movement. It was, yes, it was pretty. And as, as a little girl, I was very attracted to obviously the pretty things, but more than that was the storytelling and how the stage serves a stage, any stage can serve to Inspire. Yes. So I switched from dance to theater and I got myself into Carnegie Mellon, which I thought was a huge sign. This is a really, um, it's a good school. And- (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. And there was a moment where I came across uh, audition feedback form that complimented my Shakespeare and my comedy monologues and then said but she's a little heavy in the thigh oh my god and I I went reeling back again how is it that I can't somebody else's opinion of my body is preventing me from achieving my dreams how can I not be built for all of these things I have dreams of doing why is Why is my body a problem? And I discovered cycling. I'd always loved riding my bike. I rode my bike around the neighborhood and went further than I was really allowed to as a 12, 13, 14, 15 year old in the suburbs of Pennsylvania. I would ride onto secondary highways and get in trouble. I would just go and go and go. I never thought of myself as a cyclist, but when I went to college, I brought my bike with me and I, I rode to classes because I was very impatient waiting for the bus. Mm-hmm. I rode because I thought I'll get exercise by default. And I took a year off from college and I brought my bike to New York City. I was afraid of the subway. It was 1990, it was a different city in 1990. Right. And I was definitely afraid of someone seeing me look at the subway map and obviously couldn't figure it out and I was gonna get mugged. So I'll, I'll figure out the city above ground on bike. I can't get mugged on a bike. Not true, but that's where I thought. And so I learned the city above ground and I needed a job and I, I got a job as a bike messenger. Made sense. Had no idea this underground community that I was suddenly had inserted myself into was fascinating. And there's so many stories there. But the most important story there is that on the walkie talkie, they used to give each of us a handle. Somebody was called, uh, somebody actually had the name (laughs) Basoro. somebody's name was uh rocket and they called me legs and I remember every time they called me legs I was so irritated and finally I spoke up and I said can you give me another nickname and they said but why you're so strong and fast in fact you should really think about racing wow and my mind was blown i for the, for the first time i thought of my legs as something that might not be bad yes and so i i started after the end of the work day some of the guys who were messengers were also racers and so I started talking to them and we'd ride through central park at the end of the day and do like impromptu sprints from one stoplight to another and they're like, yeah, you really should <laughs> kind of fast. And so I went to a clinic and I, I got really, really into it. Fast forward, condensing time. I do some races and I win. I win a lot. And I suddenly, suddenly these legs that I was so ashamed of became legs that I was very proud of. Yes. And it was an ab- sport and someone who never even imagined themselves as an athlete. I did not do gym class well. I did not think of myself as competitive. I, I, to me, it wasn't sport. It was joy, but it's sport. And this sport changed my life. And it is partly my mission to, to share that whether it's indoors or outdoors whether it's casual riding or racing that the bicycle is an ac- incredible vehicle for change and it attracts everyone yeah there's another part of that story which bridges some of the time that brought me to Peloton um i raced a couple seasons i raced for nautica i raced the EDS Cup. I don't know if you remember the company EDS, yeah, but there were yeah. races all over the country. And I was sponsored, not quite professional, but on my way. And I at one point ranked 21st in the country during this series of races. Um and then I got pregnant and had my daughter. So racing was put on hold. Mm-hmm. And I gained a good amount of weight and hung on to it. And I thought, all right, you've always been told you were a big girl. You think of yourself as a big girl, big boned as they say. And now you're bigger than you've ever been. How are you gonna embrace this and move on and be a positive role model for your child? You discovered the unknown athlete in you. Yes. Okay, that chapter's over. Now you have to focus on your child and you have to be okay with yourself. Yeah. So so what better way to celebrate my bigness than to be a plus size model? Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. So I go to a home shopping style um, situation and live television modeling and I audition we love your look we love your walk we love your energy but you're not big enough oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yet again yet again here we are how is this my mythology this is so big now that it's not about like whether it's too big or too small I'm just wrong no matter what I do I'm wrong no matter how I exist, it's wrong. And they said, but if you wear these pads that will take you from a 14 to a 22, we can use you for the fall and winter line. If we put you in spring, it's just not gonna work because you'll have short sleeves that will show your arms which will be thinner than the rest of your padded body when we make you a fake 22. So I bought the oversized pantyhose and I stuffed these pads into the bust in the back and the belly and the butt and the thighs. And I went on and I modeled whether it was a a silk dress or a chenille mumu, I was selling it. And every time we had to go on set, you had to check your outfit in the mirror. And of course you walk up to the mirror with your confidence you know, you're engaging the muscles that make you look confident. I don't know that I actually was when I started that uh, because it was weird to look in the mirror at a pretend body. Mm. It was also very false to be going on modeling um, auditions with girls who were that size and be faking that size. That was a mind twist, I gotta tell you. (sighs) Um, And I can't imagine it felt good for them either. It lasted a very short period of time. So I'm walking up to the mirror every time I have to go on set with this posture of confidence, with my chin up and my shoulders back and my heart high. And I feel like in the process of about a year that I did this, that you you squeeze those muscles that make you look proud Mm-hmm. Is sort of a like uh, exercise in psychological gesture. Yeah, and I feel like it's possible that do, practicing that over and over again, not intentionally, it was just you have to go you have to go out proud. <laughs> right. I I feel like I strengthened something in me that made the, a synapse in my brain strong enough. To fire to hear something that was boiling in my belly for a long time, and I finally one day am walking up to the mirror and I heard my own voice, my self-talk, say to me, "You've been missing the point." Wow! And I did a sort of double take, and I'm like, "Okay, I am, I am, I'm, I'm having a conversation with myself in my head, very loudly," mm-hmm. and. I continue to hear myself say you've spent your entire life in this dance between whether you're too big or too small but remember what gave you joy yeah and what made you feel strong was riding a bike forget all of this and get back on the bike move it is movement that is the key yes And another part of that thought was, and this was a huge epiphany. Everything I had done in my life was with the goal of inspiring. Mm -hmm. To create situations or be a part of situations that facilitated for other people, a moment of self-recognition that could lead transformation i wanted to be a part of that in people's (laughs) lives and yet all of the mediums that i had inserted myself into success was based on another person's opinion of your body whereas in bike racing success is based on your body and its actions and decisions in a race and in training. That is a success that a person can own. Mm -hmm. You cannot own gaining the favor of another person's opinion. And understanding that was another pivotal moment in my life. Life Life-changing. Absolutely, absolutely. So that moment in that mirror inspired me to quit. At the same time, a very close friend of mine who d- recently had her second child was told by an ex-mutual friend, hey, Jennifer, you put on a lot of weight there. Think it's too much for your frame. What are you gonna do? Terrible, terrible, <laughs> Just terrible. shocking. horrible. Friends don't talk like that to each other. And- I'm glad so you say ex-friend. <laughs> Right? You know, some people are motivated by negative things. My friend ended up getting a gym membership. She was so angry about this comment. And for Christmas, she got me a one month membership to go with her. And I was like, I have never had a gym membership in my my life. (laughs) And I was in my 20s, mid, yeah i was mean, be like 28, 29 <laughs> I never had a gym membership. And I go with her and I decide I'm gonna try that spin class. It was horrible. You hate it. it. Horrible. It was, the instructor was terribly mean. She was really aggressive. She wasn't teaching. She was just yelling. <laughs> and I thought, this could actually be an incredible experience. If you taught with the music and if you coached in a way that was motivating to get through a specifically designed workout that was organized (laughs) instead of just flip, you know, whatever the instructor felt like doing at the moment, which was what I was experiencing with that teacher, I think this could be incredible. And I started doing some research and within the month I was certified. I got my Schwinn certification and I started teaching and that was 2002 or three. Um, yeah, 2002 I've been teaching for 20 years and I've taught at several places. And the last place I was teaching before Peloton, it was just getting to the point where I knew it wasn't a, it wasn't, a good fit. Mm -hmm. I believe that as long as we're getting people moving, this is is baseline good. But it's important to me that the messaging behind what motivates us to move is not about, if you change your body, you're gonna be happy. I think if you change your internal narrative, and you put things on finish lines that are bigger than a smaller pair of pants, if you focus on speaking your truth, writing the book you know you wanna write, getting the divorce you know you need to get, (laughs) these kinds of things, that your pants are gonna fall into place. Yes. And that fitness has a larger definition than being thin. Fitness is, looks different on all different bodies. Fitness is getting your leg around the pedal stroke at, at five RPMs yeah. after coming back from your experience or a knee replacement or a hip replacement or a spinal fusion. It's, it's moving again when you thought you couldn't this is the kind of fitness I want to teach. And there wasn't really space for that where I was. Mm -hmm. And I looked around at the few studios there were and Peloton was pretty new. That's only part of how I came to Peloton. And that was in um, 2004. 14 I actually landed at Peloton. But in 2012 and this this is worlds colliding. In 2012 I was walking on the beach, I had a dog, and I was in Montauk and I met a woman walking her dog. And she took my classes and then she sent me a Facebook message and said my son Tom is opening a new studio and they're looking for instructors at that moment, I wasn't ready to change anything in my life. And I was like, thank you. Good luck. Cool. Fast forward to 2014, I reached back out and I said, Hey, still looking for instructors. <laughs> and I jumped through hoops and wrote emails and connected dots from this person to that person, to this person, to that person to try to get myself seen. Amazing. And a friend of mine was an early adopter. I took a class on her bike. I looked at the different instructors and I thought they have a range of voices that are not being, you know, you go to Starbucks, you know, when you order this kind of coffee, you're going to get exactly that kind of coffee. Mm -hmm. You go to McDonald's, you get a hamburger. that's going to look like that. It's going to feel taste, smell the same. And this place was not trying to make every instructor be the same thing, right? This place, there were many different voices and many different styles of motivation and many different kinds of music. And I thought what they don't have is someone who has been a competitive cyclist and can bring the science of cycling and mindfulness together in my unique way of teaching I think that I can fill a space for them. Yes. And I did everything within my power to be seen and be heard there. I got them to give me a 30 minute audition and I filled the studio with people who had been taking my classes for years up until that point. And, um, I was met after that audition class with this is what we need. Yes, <laughs> And I got myself in, um, I would I also want to mention that the idea of celebrity or the idea that this was on TV and being streamed none of that was on my radar. Mm. It's like I need to teach classes. This is my career, this is my life. I need to teach classes. The idea that it would grow the way it grew was completely beyond anything that I was thinking about. Right. I just wanted to be a part of facilitating change for people. And now the platform has grown to the point where I cannot even believe the number of people we collectively reach.
0: Amazing. And not just that, not just reaching them by providing a workout, but But. changing lives. Because what I hear from you is like, once you started exercising, riding your bike, that kind of led you to the truth of who you are. Yeah that yeah. you're not just a set of legs
1: mm-hmm. there's
0: so much more to be proud of and these legs are such a gift yes look what they bring me they bring me to my joy
1: yes.
0: so and then what i'm hearing is like your why behind wanting to do this is to inspire people yeah. and in that is that inspiring them to find their truth them to to get away from the stories that they tell about what's wrong with them and focus on what's real what's your truth like let's guide you to your truth because that's what i feel peloton does and so incredibly powerful because you're right i think it's the first time where they have something for everyone right i needed you at Mm -hmm. that time like i needed you desperately now before when i was riding my peloton before i got sick Yeah, like I wanted to just crank it out and try and, you know, I wanted to be, you know, pushed to go harder than I ever have. But that shifted for me. But there was a place for me along every single part of this path. But what I loved about yours is it's always this reminder of pay attention to the words that you speak to yourself. Yes. Are you telling the truth? Right. Because if you're not telling the truth, you're going, I mean, this is, I'm putting in my words, you're going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have the life that you want. But if you start telling yourself the truth, that's mm-hmm. where your joy, your fulfillment lies. And you do such a brilliant job of that. So mm-hmm. let's get to, I am, I can, I will, I do. So there's, where did a, couple, that, yeah.
1: there's a couple moments where that the, those those prompts are a part of our everyday speak. Mm-hmm. There's not a day that goes by that we don't say something where those words or their negative versions are not a part of our lives. It's every day. And I remember a moment back in '95, '96, '97 somewhere in there (laughs) racing in Queens at Casino Velodrome. And there was a girl who nobody could be. She was the queen of the track. She was also tiny. So in my head, I was just absolutely flummoxed that this tiny person was kicking my ass so hard all the time. And during one race, there's usually three or four races in an evening for each category. And during one of the races, I was ahead of her and I thought, wow. And then I heard her come up behind me and I said, ah, she's got it. And she took it. And when we got off the race. I thought to myself, why did I just, dis- I-, I said, she's got it, but I didn't even fight. I- I just assumed she's going to take it. Mm-hmm. And the reckoning was, yeah. And you allowed her to take it. You didn't even fight. I wasn't even winded or breathless. I hadn't sprinted. So I got on the next race and I thought, there's these moments where I realize I'm talking to myself. And so I get out for the next race and I think I'm, I, the race is going to play out however it plays out. And if I find myself in this position again, I am going to fight. Yeah. And without realizing what I was doing, I was, I was changing my chatter. Mm -hmm. I was deciding to try to tell a different story. And that if I changed what I thought that I might, might change what happens. Yeah. If I change the words in my head, I might change what I believe. Now it wasn't quite so smoothly thought out. It was all of a a jumble of like, but that was the crux of it. And we get on the next race. She's coming around and I bolt and I won that race. And I was like, I am doing this. I can do this. I did it. And there's other moments where that, that mentality that, oh my gosh, if I at least I can give myself a chance if I change what I'm thinking. Why not give yourself a chance? (laughs) So if you tell yourself you can't, I mean, we've all heard this before, then you can't. Um, So why not set yourself up for possibility instead of deciding you can't? Fast forward, the real moment where I am, I can, I will, I do, like crystallized was, I was teaching a class, it was 2005, four, I had a room full of people and I'm playing these Japanese drums, Kodo, uh, the Kodo Japanese drums and the song was called Strobes Nanafushi. I will never forget this moment. It was fire. And we're heading up the last minute of the hill and I'm walking the room queuing and I said turn it up until you think you can't handle it anymore and you tell yourself I am I can I will I do let's go and everybody yelled and, and they sprinted and it was just a, it was one of those magical live teaching moments yeah. that you know sticks and afterwards people came up they're like that was that was a special class that was a really special experience I'll never forget that class weeks later that moment is stuck in my head and I then I start to use that song and cue it that way but only that song and only at the same moment as though it was like a rehearsed thing and then it dawned on me a couple months later I'm like I can I can say that anytime I want, it doesn't have to be during that song. (laughs) And suddenly I realized I had, I can do whatever I want with the words. And I started to sign off my classes with it. Then I added it to my email signature. Yeah. Then I got it on Twitter and then I got it on Instagram. And then I was like, I think I have a thing here. I think it's a thing. Uh And I've been saying it forever. I say it at every single class. I may or may not say it during class, but I say it in every class. But how that turned into WordShop is, is a very simple story. Um, an ex of mine who works with children and movement through golf was doing a girls' empowerment program for young girls in age groups of like five to seven and eight to 10 and 11 to 12. And um, and she asked me, can you do something with these four groups for about 20 minutes with each of them, with I am, I can, I will, I do. Can you think, can you do something with that? And It was like, oh, yeah, we'll just make sentences. (laughs) Yeah. And then we'll, we'll like edit the sentences and we'll make mantras. And then we'll have, everyone will walk away with something they can say to themselves that when they step on to hit the ball with a golf club, they can center themselves and remind themselves, I am capable. I can make the ball go where I want it to go, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I I I just did it. I told a little story about different things to the different groups and I gave them all little notebooks like this and we wrote. And the little ones wrote, I am a princess. I can be a unicorn. I will fly. I do believe I'm going to have a castle. <laughs> and then as they got older, Remember one of them said, "I am really angry. I can tell my father to stop. Mm. I will speak up. I do get out. Wow. And <laughs> I just remember that moment so clearly with children, that we are we are just larger children, yeah. Because we all want to be, we want the castle, we want all the things, whatever they are. We want the pony. Um, And at the same time, there's a lot of things that go on in our lives that are incredibly challenging that hold us back that until we realize that we have agency over the narrative, we might just stay stuck. And that, those eight words and going through the process of acknowledging where you are, I am, what you can do about it, opening up positivity, possible possibility thinking, I can walk away, I can say the words. What you will do about it, this making a decision to act, And then I do, I do behave differently and speak to myself differently when I have achieved the life I want. The way I act and speak in the version of my life that is where I want to be is very different than where I started. Yes and asking people to visualize that and write as though they were there, to, to allow themselves, to give themselves permission to really picture it. Yeah. What's it like to be there? Strengthens the musculature mm-hmm. of the vision. And then we edit those sentences down till you have four very short sentences I am frustrated. People want to say, because my mother, my brother, my etc., my cancer. Yes, all of that is true, but we don't need to know the backstory and you don't need to justify your frustration. Mm-hmm. There's so much power in the editing of those sentences because when you realize, wow, I'm allowed to be frustrated. I can do something about it. I can't, whatever it is. But making those sentences as short as possible boils it down to the root. Mm -hmm. Also makes it universal. Because when people speak their mantras at the end of these workshops, everyone hears things that they wrote. Everyone hears things that they said or could have said or have said in the past. And when we recognize wow, we're the same. Oh, yeah! suddenly don't have to pretend. We can start telling ourselves the truth and we can feel safe to tell ourselves the truth because everybody else is doing the same thing in this group. It creates community. It creates safety and it creates authenticity. And it create, it's a tool. It's a tool that we all have. We can all write. Mm-hmm. We can all write down the words. We all talk to ourselves. So we can all change the words. So my work is in helping people realize that they already have the tools to change and to help them develop the skills to use the tool. Yes.
0: I mean, this is, this is everything. And this is how I've lived my life finding this way and realizing how powerful you can you get to go first in deciding what story in life you want to live
1: yes yes yes
0: you get to go first in deciding what's possible what you're capable of what anything will mean to you right you know and so the fact that you're doing this is just so powerful and i think the fact that you Have done it with kids, you know, young kids, and and I mean, how much better equipped will they be as adults
1: having this strategy
0: at that age? Like, I mean, it's the kind of thing that we all would have killed for, right? At that age, and I mean, it's just life changing, and you bring that to peloton you bring that to your classes you bring that and that is what is so special and so powerful that yep people aren't going to drop five pant sizes i know i kept showing up because it was an empowering experience Mm -hmm. at a time when i really you know that empowerment i mean talk about changing your story Right. It's like future me, the one that's going to survive, the one that's going to thrive on the other side. What would she do today? Right. She's not going to lie in bed. She's going to get on her Peloton. She's going to take a class. She's going to be proud of her 60 Watts. Yes. She's going to celebrate when she hits 61 Watts two weeks later. So this is so incredible. Now, as you do this work, Christine, what do you feel? And I don't know how much you've thought about legacy. I know in the situation I was in, I thought a lot about like, what do I want my legacy to be? And have I done that? Mm -hmm. Or what do I need to do now? So what would you say your legacy is? I mean, you're young, you've got, you know, decades and decades and decades ahead of you. (laughs) What matters most to you as far as what you are building and leaving behind ultimately.
1: I. I know I've already. Yeah, um, and I'm very, very humbled to say that. I know I've had an impact. Yes, and it's it's um, it's a strange feeling to, like, wow! I, I, I have done and am continuing. To to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that I can help people realize that they have agency. That is, that is the legacy I want to leave, um, that through awareness, through self-awareness that we can change our story and we do not have to accept the story, of the words of others that have gotten stuck in our heads that told us we're too big or too small or too much of whatever or not enough of whatever, which is all we're told by social media, by some bad parents or siblings or the world, bosses that tell us whatever. Like all of these messages become (laughs) ingrained belief systems or, or a mythology like Oedipus, where we feel like no matter what we do, we're gonna end up yeah. there. And and then we create self-fulfilling prophecies where we set ourselves up for failure yeah. because we're so wound into the story that others have told us. And to leave behind the notion that no. You get to choose, You, as you said, you get to be first to choose what your story is. And to be able to do it with movement, to uh. be able to teach, to teach these concepts while moving, that's really, really magical for me. That is what I love the most about my work on the bike at Peloton, that I get to cook. We get to cook. <laughs> You may have heard me say this in a yeah. class where, when you are riding, you are moving and you are creating heat yeah. and you are bringing oxygen and heat together in your body. When you start breathing deeper because of the intensity of the movement and its rhythmic movement, which pleases a part of our brain. And when you are challenged physically, whether the challenge is to go harder or the challenge is to restrain yourself when you are challenged physically and you have story and you get to hear your own words in your own head, you can, those stories and your intentions and your feelings and your fears and your hopes are all the ingredients that are cooking while you're making this heat through movement. And when we cook, we transform the ingredients through that heat and through that oxygen and through what we sweat out. Yeah. And we, we change ourselves. Yeah. If we allow ourselves to be open to that.
0: I mean, and this is so true. And with that, with all movement, I feel like yes. it puts us in a better energy state. We become more resourceful. We make better decisions about what to focus on, you know, all these things. So do you feel like Peloton is, is so much more than just so much more a than place a to go for a workout? I mean, mean,
1: since the beginning, it's so much more than a bike. Do you know one of the things that really, really, I've, from the very beginning, one of the things that really got me and is one of my favorite things about Peloton is I think about the people in their basements or in their garages who don't wanna go to the gym because they think they don't look good enough to go to a gym or they have social anxiety. Or for whatever reason, they don't want to go out. Maybe they don't even want to go out of the house. They don't, they think they don't want to be seen. And on this bike in the privacy of their own four walls, they can practice self-care and be seen in a way that feels safe to them and become a part of a community without judgment of their appearance that they fear. And that is absolutely transformative. Then we have a homecoming and people who never would have left our house are showing up with friends they've made because of a bike, because of moving.
0: Yeah. I think it's the best thing that has been created in the last Mm -hmm. 20 years, the most powerful and and obvious. I mean, look at how successful it's been. Look at the community that's been created. And people are living better lives because of it. And they're living better lives because of your impact too. So Christine, please keep shining your light. Please keep sharing your voice. Please keep doing what you are put on this planet to do because your impact is profound and beautiful and the ultimate gift to the people that get to know you and share in any experience with you. And I want to thank uh, Peloton for choosing you. I want to thank Peloton for choosing every instructor. You've got such an incredible family and for making us all feel, every single human being, that we matter and Mm -hmm. that we're special and that we are magical and powerful and beautiful and all of those things. So Christine, how can people continue to follow you, learn from you? If you could share that with us, that would be amazing. Um,
1: I have an Instagram, which you could probably guess is I am, I can, I will, I do <laughs> all one word. And my website is my name, dercole.com. No apostrophes, no dots, just straight through. If you put in, I am, I can, I will, I do.com. You'll still find me. If you just Google that <laughs> there, I will be. Um, you can find me on the Peloton schedule, um, through the app and through the website. And I'm not so much on Twitter. I've, I've dipped my toe into TikTok. (laughs) I was so awkward with these
0: things. (laughs) Well, you do an amazing job. So if you're doing that awkward, you're doing an amazing job and what you post is real. And I love that and um, just continue being you. You're such a gift. So thank you, Christine. Thank you, Peloton. What a gift. Everyone here at the Bedhead Chronicles, let's celebrate this one. Um, this was epic. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to see you tomorrow on the bike. I will I'll be there as tomorrow. I always am. <laughs> thank you so much, Christine. Thank you for listening and sharing this precious time with me. Please remember to subscribe and to leave me a review. You can find me on Instagram at Siri Lindley, Facebook, Siri Lindley, and Twitter at Seltz, S-E-L-T-S. You can also reach me via email at info at Have an amazing day and shine on.